If you missed uh, last Sunday and two Sundays ago, we are going through a, a new series in, in the book of Psalms. So if we are going to go through the book of Psalms per chapter, it will take us 150 weeks. <laughs> so we will not do that. We will not go through the book of Psalms per chapter. Instead, we are selecting uh, a few Psalms and uh, what we are doing here is that through this, we will understand, it will give us a greater appreciation what worship is all about. I mean, you know, many years ago, uh, Matt Redman's song, uh, Heart of Worship, was a hit because it tells us, I bring you more than a song. And it gives us an idea, wow, so worship pala is not just us lifting our hands or singing songs or closing our eyes. It's more than that. And, and I hope that's, that's what we are doing in our you know, time together, just selecting a few psalms. So Psalm 95, we started, Pastor Aldrin started November with Psalm 95. Last Sunday, uh, we, uh, we studied Psalm 130 and we talked about worshiping in the darkness. Today, we are going to look at Psalm 139. Psalm 139. And I mentioned something last week uh, that I want to clarify. Last week, sabi ko, uh, what's unique about the Psalms is that, you know, it connects to our emotions, right? It connects to our emotion. It gives words to the emotions that we have, you know, the realistic uh, emotions, the, you know, anxiety, worries, concern. Pwede natin balikan yung Psalms doon. But I don't want you to think that the Psalms is just good for that, Okay. The Psalms is not just good for, you know, your, your emotions or you're your looking for words to, to talk to God. Because here's the thing. Kapag gusto nating magbasa ng theology or doctrine, you know, people will go to Apostle Paul or mga epistles. And we understand doctrine there. Kapag gusto nating magbasa ng good stories with moral lessons... We, ano yung binabasa nyo? Kapag gusto mo magbasa sa Bible na mga moral lessons, good stories, well, Proverbs will give you wisdom, di ba? Give, para mga wise advice. Pero pag kapag narrative story, ano yung pinupuntahan nyo ng mga books? Gospels, right? That's good. How about the story of Jacob? <laughs> Last, last Wednesday, hindi, hindi encouraging <laughs> yung mga pinagagawa ni Jacob. Yeah, and you mentioned Gospels. If you want to look into parables, mga quotable quotes ni Jesus, diba? you go to, to, to the Gospels. But if you're feeling poetic and emotional, or you're, you're just trying to figure things out in your emotions, you go to the Psalms. But I want to encourage you that the book of Psalms is more than that. In fact, you can get theology from Psalms. You can get theology from the book of Psalms. You know, at this point, when you hear the word theology, it's the time that you say, uh, that's not for me, Pastor. I'm not going to the seminary. I don't, want, I don't want to hear about theology and doctrine and stuff like that. I just want God. But you know what? You cannot escape theology. What you understand about God is your theology. Okay? So... Again, Psalms is not limited to just connecting with your emotions. It can, be, it can also be a source of understanding who God is. And that's what Psalm 139 is all about. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 139. So open your Bibles. I will not read the whole chapter. We will read as we go along. So open it, your hard copy Bibles, your cell phones. Psalm 139. And what you will see in your Bible is that it says this is the Psalm of, sino nagsulat nito? This is the Psalm of David. So not all the Psalms were written by David. Maybe half of them were written by King David. So this is the King David. Again, he is a king, soldier. He's also a musician and a writer. But in this, in this chapter, you will see King David the theologian. King David the theologian. So today, we will look into how David understands who the God he worships and why it matters to him on a personal level. 
So as you go along this chapter, let me give you four descriptions, four descriptions of you know who this God is. Okay? Four descriptions of who this God is and why this is relevant to you and me. Okay, at the end of the sermon, what I hope for you to realize is that understanding who God is helps you understand who you are as well. Alright, so let's just pause and, and let's just ask the Lord's help in prayer. Lord, once again, we thank you for the privilege that we can come together Sunday after Sunday, studying your word. Thank you for this whole month that we can just go through selected psalms. It's not just a song that we sing. It's not just, you know, things that connect into our emotions and our hearts and our situation. It's a place, Lord God, and it's a book that's very rich on describing who you are. And as we study Psalm 139, we need your help. Open our eyes, open our hearts, that we may understand this, and we will see who you are and why we worship you and why it matters to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, four descriptions of who God is and why this is relevant to you and me. Description number one, this God that we worship is the God that completely knows us. He is the God that completely knows us. So, we have a God who has given us His undivided attention. Just think about that for a second. How many, how many people are there in the world right now? Does anyone know? Sige, sa Pilipinas na lang muna. Ilan na tayo sa Pilipinas? 100 million. 10% of that is overseas. So we have 10 million overseas workers. And some of them, we don't know what's happening in their lives. But if we know that there's a God who completely knows us, God has undivided attention for those 100 million people. And here's why God is God. Okay? hindi siya nagahati ng attention sa atin. Kunyari tayo dito, let's say 100, 120. Yung attention niya, hindi nahahati kay so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. He has complete and undivided attention on you. That's, that's how He is God and that's how He is awesome. Paano niya tayo nakikilala? David says, three ways. He knows our thoughts. He knows our ways, and He knows our words. Okay, let, let's go through them uh, one by one. So He knows our thoughts. Sabi ni David, O oh Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up, and You discern my thoughts from afar. Nag-Google search ka ni God. Yung phone natin, meron siyang predictive text. Di ba? Or kunyari, gagamitin mo yung Google for search. Itatype mo palang yung search mo, isusulat na ni Google kung ano yung gusto mong isearch. Kunyari, how to cook sinigang. Yung how to palang yung sinulat mo, sinulat niya na yung cook sinigang. <laughs> but God is so much better than that. You know, keep that in mind because I'll mention that again later on. So He knows our thoughts he knows what's going on in your head right now. I may not know it. The person beside you may not know it, but God knows it. Just imagine a world where God, where we all see what your, the, per, the other person is thinking. Just imagine a world where you know what that person is thinking about you. You know, there's a movie before by Mel Gibson, What Women Want. May nakapanood na sa inyo noon, What Women Want. So, suddenly, Mel Gibson knew and learned what women want. So, kung anong iniisip nila tungkol sa mga, sa mga lalaki or about everything. And you know, women, that's very important because honestly, men don't have a clue. We don't have a clue sometimes what's why, why you're mad at us? <laughs> why you said the way you said it? You know, we don't have a clue. So, but God knows it. God knows it. Not only that, He knows our ways. Okay? 
Verse 3 says, You see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know everything I do. That's the NLT version. So, hindi lang yung way natin, He knows how we do it and why we do it. And He also knows our words. He knows our words. Verse 4 says, Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Bago pa natin sabihin yung gusto nating sabihin dun sa person na galit tayo, alam na ni Lord yung sasabihin mo. He knows us completely. You know, ang technical or theological term dito is omniscience. How many of you heard of that? Omniscience. Yan. So, it means God is all-knowing. And here's the problem when we, when we put out big words like that. Sometimes our understanding of big words is very limited. So, our understanding of God being omniscient is, you know, it means that God has an answer to everything. God has an answer to everything. And that's true. Do you agree? God has an answer to everything. But while that is true, that is not entirely what it means. Kasi if omniscience means God has an answer to everything, that's just simply Google. Right? You ask Google anything, He has an answer. Nahiko na si Google, no? So, lalaki si Google. Diba? If you ask anything with Google, He will give you an answer. Hindi lang isa. Hindi lang dalawa. Maybe a million answers to your question. Here's what Google knows about you. Medyo maliite, but here's some of the things that Google knows about you. Alright? Lahat ng mga Google searches mo, lahat ng contacts mo, lahat ng email conversation mo, Lahat na mga pinanood mo sa YouTube, if you have Google Play, kung ano yung mga items on your Google Play, ilan ang device mo na Android, okay? yung passwords mo na lagi mong nakakalimutan, si Google lang lahat nakakaalam nun. Kung nasaan ka at any given time, di ba? Check in, yan sa Facebook. Check in. Nandito ako ngayon. Sa Shakey's, Paranaque. <laughs> That's an inside joke, sorry. <laughs> or your shared documents with people. You know, Google knows what kind of document you are working on right now. And who, uh, who's working on with, with that document. So, ito yung mga bagay that Google knows about you. And if we limit omniscience with this thing, that's not... That's not what God, God being all-knowing is all about. Because, yes, Google knows your digital personality, your search history, your browser history, what you have been watching, what you have been listening, what you have been purchasing in Lazada or Shopee. Google all know, knows all that, but God knows more than your digital personality. God knows your public personality. God knows who you are when you are with your friends. God knows who you are when you are with your family. God knows who you are when no one is watching. So what this means, brothers and sisters, God knows the real you. God knows the real you better than you know yourself. If you think that you, that you know yourself better than anyone else, guess what? God knows you even better than you think you know yourself. And for most of us, you know, that thought makes us uncomfortable, right? It makes us uncom- uncomfortable that, that God knows everything. Kasi ang tingin natin doon, parang pinupulis tayo ni God. Na parang dahil alam niya lahat ng bagay, oh, ano na naman yung papanoorin mo ngayon, ha? Ano naman yung bibilihin mo sa Shopee? Ano naman yung... Ganun ang tingin natin. Ganun ang tingin natin sa, sa God who's all-knowing. But here's, you know, here's what King David experienced with that all-knowing God. Here's verse 5 and 6. 
you go before me and follow me, you place your hand on, of blessing on my head, and such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. Ibig sabihin nito, God knowing us completely ay hindi knowing you na parang pinupulis ka. It's knowing you with care. Knowing you with a blessing. Knowing you with a hand, with His hand on your head saying, Hey, I got you. I got you. And His response, David's response is, Lord, knowing this is so overwhelming. This is indescribable. I cannot describe this. You know what does this mean for you and me today? You know, this means you don't have to make a viral video to get God's attention. You don't need to post anything on your Facebook to get likes. You know, even if you are not in social media, even if, Pastor, hindi naman ako ganun, hindi naman ako gumagawa ng video, hindi naman ako gumagawa ng Facebook post, you know, knowing that you have someone's attention is very important to you, correct? If you are sitting on a restaurant with the, someone you love, that person is in front of you, and his attention, her attention is not on you, how would you respond? Pansinin mo naman ako. Huwag yung cellphone mo. Pansinin mo naman ako. Huwag yung utang natin. Usap naman tayo. You know, knowing that God completely knows us from top to bottom, from outside in, it means that you have His attention. You don't have to do anything to get His attention. His attention is on you. And that's really important to us. So, David knows this, that God completely knows him. And how does God do this? Ano, paano ginagawa ni God na kilala niya lahat ang 7 billion in the world. Nag-install ba siya ng you know, CCTV camera you know, all over the world? Like a spiritual CCTV camera uh, to, to watch on you wherever you go? Or does, does he send angels? Like meron naka-assign na angel kay Mikey, kay Taylor. So may angel ka so, kung 7 billion ng tao, merong 7 billion angels na nagre-report kay God. Araw-araw. Sabihin ng angel na naka-assign kay ganito. Ah, boss. <laughs> boss, si, si Josh pumunta dito sa lugar na to. Hindi niya sinama si Danny. They had fun. <laughs> Is that how God watches over us? What do you think? You know, God does something more amazing. And that's our second point. He's not just sending someone to watch over us. He's not installing CCTV camera. He is intimately with us. He is with us wherever we go. Ito yung, ito yung sabi ni David. Sometimes it looks like a, a complaint. <laughs> Verse 7, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? Keep that in mind. Flee from your presence. Kung umakyat ako sa langit, nandun ka. Kung matutulog ako sa hell, that's, that's what Sheol means, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning or dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, kahit doon, kahit doon, your hand shall lead me your right hand shall hold me. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? And again, we have a theological term for this. For those of you who already know, yung technical term natin dito is omnipresence. Diba? Omnipresence. That God is everywhere. But to David, this is not just a technical idea. This is not just a doctrine. It is a personal experience. Keep in mind, David did a lot of things, right? He did great things. He also did bad things. Do you recall some of the bad things that he did? And I'm just guessing, I'm just guessing, and those bad things that he did, I'm guessing that he wanted to flee from the presence of God. 
He wanted to flee from the presence of God. But I will, I will mention another guy in the Bible who wanted to flee from the presence of God. And that is Jonah, right? You know, I keep, I keep illustrating, I keep using the book of Jonah. Feeling ko pagdating ko sa langit, tatanungin ako ni Jonah. Bro, bakit ako na naman? <laughs> bakit laging ako ang illustration mo? Jonah, you know this already, sabi sa kanya ni God, go to the great city of Nineveh, mag-preach ka doon because their wickedness has come up before me. Anong response ni Jonah? Jonah, what did he do? Run away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. Okay? He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. Nung nagbayad siya ng ticket niya, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish para ano? To flee from the Lord. I didn't share this map last time, but I will share this right now. Ito yung Nineveh. This is where Nineveh is. This is where Joppa is. He is literally running away from the Lord. Running away as far as he could go. And from what we see in Psalm 139, where can I flee from your presence, Lord? Hindi na intindihan ni Jonah na kahit na lumayo siya na pagkalayo-layo-layo, yung presensya ng Panginoon na dun pa rin. You know, if we are honest, brothers and sisters, there are places, there are places that we go that we don't want God to be there. Right? Meron tayo mga lugar na pinupuntahan, ayaw natin si God kasama natin dun. If God is there, that would mean, you know, we'd feel uncomfortable. But there are, you know, there, those places may be actual location, but, you know, there are places in our minds where our minds and our thoughts go, and we don't want God to, in, you know, to invade that, that place in our mind. But on the other hand, there are places we feel God is not there at all. And this was the message last Sunday when we talked about you know, worshiping in the darkness. Verse 11 of our passage says, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. That's the reason why we can still worship in the darkness. Because darkness is really only darkness to us. It's not darkness to the Lord. He is even with us in the darkness of our souls. That's why we love this passage, right? Psalm 23 verse 4. Even when I walk to the valley, the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. You are close beside me. You know, during uh, late 80s, there was this artist, there was this singer named Beth Midler. And she had a song uh, entitled, From a Distance. Do you recall that? from a distance. Yung chorus ng song says, God is watching us, God is watching us, God is watching us from a distance. You know, that song is written and arranged in so inspiring way that it went up to top 10 of, you know, the billboards. But what you see in the passage, yes, God is watching you, but He's not watching you from a distance. He is with you every step of the way. He is intimately with you. Even in places that you don't want Him to be there, He is there. Even in places that you think that He will, he will be there, He is there. And that is comforting for us, especially in times that we don't know if God is really with us. So, you know, we worship a God who is not just watching us from a distance, He is intimately with us. Here's the third description. We worship this God that carefully made us. Verse 13 says, For you formed my inward parts. 
You knitted me together in my mother's womb. David says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. So poetic. When David says, Wonderful are your works, Lord, that includes you and me. You know, I, I met a lady uh, who's going through, you know, hurts in the past. You know, one of the things that she, she is struggling with is yung statement sa kanya ng nanay niya. Yung statement sa kanya ng nanay niya ganito. You were a mistake. Sabi sa kanya ng nanay niya, alam mo, nagkamali ako na pinanganak ka pa. That's, that's, that's hurtful, right? That's, that's very painful for someone to hear that you were a mistake. And she carried that all her life. Friends, you are not a mistake. You are not an accident. Kahit na nagkamali ang magulang mo, you are not a mistake. Kahit na sa palagay mo, parang may problema sa buhay mo, God did not make a mistake in making you. Pastor, you might be saying that because you did not experience that. Because what about those children with abnormalities? What about those children who's not normal? If that statement is true, Pastor, then God is a lousy creator. And that's a real rebuttal from many skeptics nowadays. If you tell me that your God, you know, created everything beautifully, and this verse is true, if you believe this verse is true, and there are babies are born with deformities, then your God is a lousy creator. Your God is a lousy creator. How do you respond to that? What will you tell your friend? Kapag sinabi niya yun sa'yo. Sinasabi mo lang yan kasi maayos ang buhay mo eh. E paano, kung yung mga, paano yung mga baby na deformed? Paano yung mga baby na hindi naging maayos ang pagpapanganak? Let me give you three ways on how I answer that. Okay, so maybe it will help when someone asks you that. First, I say, you know, because of our sin, because our sin affected not just our soul, it affected our mind. It affected our body. Our human life is susceptible to disease, to problems in our physical body. So it results to, to those things like that. Number two, what we see as abnormality, what we see as a challenge, God sees as beautiful. Let me repeat that. We may see it as an abnormality, we may see it as a deformity. We may see it as a defect or a disease. But God sees it as something beautiful. You know why? Because He looks at us in, through the eyes of love. I know of a missionary couple who went to the Philippines. They, had, they came to the Philippines, one baby, stayed in the Philippines, another baby, Stayed in the Philippines, they had a third baby. And this third baby, pagkapanganak, may problems kagad with the intestines. So just a few weeks after, you know, after being born, the baby had to be operated. Like serious, serious operation. The baby needed blood transfusion. That's why this baby, I affectionately say, you know, your baby is no longer American. He has Filipino blood. After that, after the operation, actually during the operation, they see, they see indications that the baby is diagnosed with Down syndrome. How can you say that's beautiful? 
But when I see the baby's parents looking at their child with smile in their faces, their eyes are twinkling when they see that baby smiling and playing. For them, this baby is perfect. For them, this baby, regardless of the, what science and uh, medical condition it considers, this baby for them is perfect. And that's how God sees you and me. Despite that imperfection, despite you know, the deformities in our lives, He sees you with perfection because He sees you through the eyes of love. You know, one person that I, you know, one famous person that I see uh, living this out is Nick Buishik. Uh, some of you know that, know that guy. Uh, Nick Buishik uh, was born without limbs. Walang limbs. And if you tell him that, you know, his life is an abnormality, he will just laugh at you. Because he surfs, <laughs> he swims, he has a lovely wife, he has a baby. And he's traveling around the world speaking about the goodness of God in his life. Is that not a beautiful life? So third way in answering that question of some people, I just direct to specifically in the Bible. What, must, what was meant for evil, God meant it for good. What was meant for evil, God meant it for good. Here's our passage again, verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. Ang amazing ng passage na to, hindi pa tayo pinapanganak, wala pa tayo na-accomplish Ang tawag na kagad sa atin ni God, champion. Ang tawag na kagad sa atin ni God, masterpiece. So he's looking at yung unformed substance na yon is like a clay that is not molded yet into anything. It's not yet molded into anything, but God sees that clay, and maybe some people would see that clay and say, you know, that clay is not worth anything. That clay will grow up and be deformed. That clay will not value anything but God sees that clay that is not formed yet and He molds it according to His good pleasure. He molds it according to His own plan. So yes, we see the clay unimpressive. It will not amount to anything. But God looks at your unformed substance and calls it a masterpiece. He calls you a masterpiece. And I will explain that later. Here's two paintings. Just let me ask you a couple of questions. Two paintings. Can you tell me if this painting is beautiful for you or not? Yung painting sa inyong kaliwa. Ano ba yung painting sa kaliwa? Yan, yung ganon. Hindi ko gawayan na. <laughs> is that beautiful or not? Is that beautiful or not? Beautiful? How many says yes? How many says no? <laughs> Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. So somebody, some people say yes, it's beautiful. Some, some people say no. Okay. How about yung painting on your right? So, right. Right. Yeah. Is that beautiful or not? How many says it's, it's, it's okay? <laughs> Next, okay. How many says it's really amazing? Raise your hand. It's really amazing. How many says it's okay na? <laughs> Ayan. Thank you again for being honest. How many says pangit? You know, what you're looking at are the top two most expensive paintings in the world. The painting on your left is a Jackson Pollock. Jackson Pollock. Ang title niyan, very unimpressive, number 17A. <laughs> number 17A. Yun lang ang title nun. B- nabenta siya 
ng 177 million euros. The other, I think you saw this already in one of my sermons, the other photo on your right, the title is Salvatore Mundi, the savior of the world. This was the last, supposedly the last painting of Leonardo da Vinci. The last painting of Leonardo da Vinci. It's the most expensive painting in the world. The only country that can buy this is Abu Dhabi. They bought it at 382 million euros for a painting. You know, the world classifies these two paintings as masterpieces. Masterpiece. Whether you agree with them or not, some of you say, ah, okay lang, kaya ko naman yun sa paint. <laughs> kaya ko naman yan. But the world calls this masterpieces. But let me ask you a question. In the eyes of Jackson Pollock, in the eyes of Leonardo da Vinci, do you think it matters to them what the art critics think? Do you think it matters to them how much value people put on buying these paintings? I don't think so. Because for, ja for Jackson Pollock, for Leonardo da Vinci, their paintings are already masterpiece, whether you agree with them or not. Let me give you the good news. You are already a masterpiece, not because of what you can accomplish or how the world sees you. You are already a masterpiece because God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, made you to conform in the image of his son who is perfect. That's what Ephesians 2.10 says. For we are, let's read it all together. For we are His masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand in order that we would walk in them. That's beautiful to know. That even if the world tells you that you will not amount to anything, that even if the world will tell you you're just mediocre, because of Christ Jesus, God calls you his masterpiece. And that's what it means for David to say, I am carefully and wonderfully made. Brothers and sisters, again, you are not a mistake. You are not an accident. The last. And from here, from describing God, See, David turns into a prayer, and this is his prayer, and it's very unique. Keep in mind what kind of prayer this is. Verse 19, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God, O men of blood, depart from me. They speak evil, they speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I, and do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them. With complete hatred, I count them my enemies. How many of you already prayed that kind of prayer? <laughs> Against someone? Krabi, that's a very honest prayer. Such a strong statement. And this is called imprecatory prayer. Imprecatory prayer. Have you heard of that term? You're praying ill for someone. Alam mo yung pinipray ni, ni David to put it in Tagalog, Lord, patayin mo sila. Patayin mo sila. And why would David, you know, say something like that? And David considers these people his enemies. Bakit Nasasabi ni David yung ganito, and why would we say that we worship a God that righteously defends us? Keep that, you know, keep that in mind because it's important to know that when God defends us, He defends us according to His righteousness. Look again at this passage. Paano niya describe yung mga enemies niya? Okay, he is praying to God, Lord, patayin mo na sila. Bakit niya pinipray yun? Tingnan nyo how he describes 
these enemies, they are men of blood, meaning they are murderers. They speak against God with malicious intent. They take the name of God in vain. They hate God. They are rising against God. And because of that, David is saying, because you rebel against God, you are my enemy. So what this means, brothers and sisters, yung, yung prayer ni David is not just for his sake only, but for the righteousness of God. He is praying for them, praying against them because they are against the Lord himself. And David experienced this already as a young boy. He experienced this already when he was young. Do you remember that story uh, between David and Goliath? Here's the thing about this story, about God righteously defending us. God looks at David, and God looks at Goliath, and God takes the side of David. Why? So, tinignan niya si David on, on this corner, <laughs> weighing 20 pounds. On this corner, nine feet tall. And God says, I'll take this side. Why? Because David was an underdog? Because David cannot defend himself? Is God taking David's side because he behaves better? You know, that's not the case, brothers and sisters. God is not taking the side of David. David is taking the side of God because Goliath is up against the name of the Lord. Goliath is fighting against what God represents. And that's his name. So God really essentially is not taking sides. He is actually defending his own righteousness and glory. Okay. Let's say that you have a, a team in your barangay, basketball team in your barangay, playing against the Golden State Warriors. Okay? On one side, Golden State Warriors. On the other side is your, your best bet in your barangay, ng mga basketball players. Yung coach nila, pastor. Yung, yung coach nila, pastor. Nagpray sila bago magsimula yung yung game. Nagpray sila, Lord, papanalunin mo kami. Yung Golden State Warriors kahit nandun si Stephen Curry, ni sila nagpray. Who do you think will win? Yung barangay. Who do you think will win? Lampaso 'yon, kapatid. Lampaso 'yon. We might think you know, that's, this may be parang moving outside the point, but you know, this addresses our misconception on how God takes sides. We might think that because we are Christians, because we pray, we will win automatically. We might think that because you know, these guys are good guys, these guys are underdogs, that God will take on their side. That is not the case. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're saying here is that God will defend you if you are on His side. And His side is doing what is right. God will always do what is right. That's the reason why David is praying this prayer because he understands that these enemies are not just his enemies. These enemies are profaning the name of the Lord. They are taking His name in vain. They are rebelling against Him. That's the reason why Lord killed them. Again, God will do what is right. And here's another illustration again. Remember that time uh, we, we did a, an Exodus series. Uh, nung nung nasa, nasa Egypt ang Israel, we think that it's Egypt versus Israel and Pharaoh against Moses. Diba? Ganun ang tingin natin eh. Egypt versus Israel Pharaoh against Moses, and God is on the middle and says, uh, let me think, 
I'll take this side, yung Israel, kasi sila yung underdog. That is not the case. God is defending Israel, number one, because He had a promise to them. He had a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and his descendants. Number two, because Egypt will profane the name of the Lord. It's His credibility that's on the line. That's the reason why in Ezekiel, God says, and He's referring here with, with Israel and Egypt, for the sake of my name, for the sake of my name, God says, I brought them out of Egypt. I did not keep my name from being profaned in the eyes of the nations among whom they live and in whom whose sight I had revealed myself to the Israelites. You know what this means, brothers and sisters? You know, it helps us not abuse the term, you know, God is fighting for me. Kasi ginagamit natin yun, but God is on my side. Lord, I know that you're on my side. Well, that's true. God is fighting for what is right. If we are wrong, we don't need defending. If we are wrong, we need discipline. So if David is in the wrong, God will not defend him. God will discipline him in love. So it also implies, you know, but if we are in the right, this truth that God righteously defends us, it will help us stand firm when we know that we are standing on the righteousness of God. Let me summarize. Who is this God that we worship? According to King David, and in his statement in Psalm 139, that this God is the God that completely knows us. We worship Him because He is intimately with us. And this is the God that carefully made us. And this is the God that righteously defends us. But the passage is not over yet. We have two more verses. And this is how David responds to God. This is how he prays to the Lord. He ends this passage with this prayer. Sabi niya, verse 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any offensive thing in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. For David, understanding the God that he worships is key to understanding who he really is. If God knows us completely, if God is with us everywhere, if he he has made us carefully, and if he defends us when we are in the right, listen to this, there is no need to hide. There is no need to hide. I mentioned that last Sunday, you know, the immediate response of Adam and Eve when they sinned against the Lord is to hide. But if you know that God is carefully, has carefully made you and He knows you completely and He's with you every time and He will defend you when you are right, there's no reason, brothers and sisters, to hide. And that's what David is praying. Lord, I am an open book. I am surrendering my, my life to you. I'm opening my heart and my life to you because there's no point for me to hide. You know, honestly, for many of us, this is a scary prayer, right? It's scary to say, Lord, search me. Because we are afraid what God will find out. We are afraid what God will expose in our hearts and in our minds. In this prayer, we are going to let God expose everything, all the good along with the bad. But it will help us see who we really are. It's like looking yourself in a mirror. You look into the mirror at least once every day. At least You know, we look at the mirror, we see imperfections, and we cover it. We put on a makeup, we fix our hair, we fold our polo, 
we button up our shirt, we make sure that we look good. But when David says, search me, O God, he is saying, Lord, see my reflection. See my honest reflection. Look at the mirror and I hope it will reflect who I really am. And you look into the mirror when you know that God completely knows you and He is with you and He has carefully made you and He will defend you when you are right. When you say that, you know, you ask the Lord to search you, it means allowing the mirror to reflect who you really are. You will see pimples without concealer. You will see wrinkles on top of your head. You will see white hair. You will see an even complexion. You know, this honest mirror will show you your thoughts. Just imagine a mirror. Tas lalabas dun yung thought bubble. Lalabas dun kung ano iniisip mo. How about if it shows you, yes, your thoughts, both good and bad. How about if it shows you the scars? the physical scars that you've had in your life? How about if this mirror will show you your pains, your fears, your aspiration, your concerns, your worries all at once? How about if it shows you what you think, really think, really think about your boss? How about if this mirror will show you what you really think about your neighbor? How about if it shows you what you really think about the president? You know, honestly, if there's a mirror like that that shows everything I did and everything I think, it's going to be ugly. That's where worship brings us. It brings us to a realization of who we really are in the presence of a holy God. That's what Isaiah experienced when he saw the Lord. You remember that passage, Isaiah 6. And the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. And his response is to say, Woe to me, for I am a mess. When he experienced the presence of the Lord, he says, I am a man of unclean lips. When he understood the presence of God and how awesome God is, he said, I live with people who are unclean. You know, this is the point, brothers and sisters, in, in the sermon that you don't clap and just say, preach on, brother, or you just say amen because it leads you to bow down your head in shame and say, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. But the good news, the good news is that God does not leave us in that moment of shame, even if this mirror shows us all the ugliness in our hearts and in our minds, God does not leave us in that moment of conviction. Here's the good news. Romans 8.1 says, Now there is no more condemnation. For what? For those who belong to Christ Jesus. There is no more condemnation if you belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Here's what Paul says in verse 29. For those God formed before, He also predestined to be, to reflect the image of His Son, that He might be, Jesus might be the firstborn, among many brothers and sisters. Friends, because of Jesus, even though we look at the mirror and see the ugliness of our life, God looks at the same mirror. God looks at the same mirror. If what you see is the ugliness of your life, the mess that you've made, 
the bad thoughts that you have with your friends and your boss and your relatives and your neighbors. Because you belong to Jesus, what God sees is the reflection of His only begotten Son. And He looks at the mirror and declares, that is my work of art. That is my work of art. Let me end again with the, since we are talking about songs, psalms, and we are encouraging you to be in a habit of listening to Christian music. And I mentioned some songs last Sunday that you can listen to when you're worshiping in the darkness. I will mention uh, one song, this time just one. Uh, It's the song Indescribable by Chris Tomlin. So, uh, check on Spotify, YouTube, whatever. Listen to some songs that, you know, reflect the, the goodness of the Psalms. Indescribable, I will not read the whole lyrics. I will just uh, show you the last four lines. Last chorus says, Incomparable, unchangeable, you see the depths of my heart and you love me the same. You are amazing, God. When I first heard this, it brought me to tears. You see the depths of my heart, Lord, and my heart is full of hatred. My heart is full of pain. My heart is full of bitterness. My life is a mess. You see the depth of my bleeding, broken heart, and you love me the same. And Chris Tomlin says, just like David, you are amazing, God. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Father, just like King David, just like Chris Tomlin, as they reflect on your majesty, your glory in all creation, we are in awe of what you can do. But when you become personal and you become involved in our lives, we are not just in awe. We are overwhelmed. It brings us to our knees. It shows us who we really are. It reflects, Lord God, because you know us deeply, because you are with us everywhere we go. You see the mess of our lives. But we are, we are amazed that you would love a wretched people like us. We are amazed, Lord God, that you would even call us your masterpiece. And this is all possible because of your son, Jesus, who takes our place, who gets our mess so that we will be seen as the righteous one. Just like Martin Luther said, Lord, that we are simultaneously justified and simultaneously a sinner. In Christ, we are both. And so we thank you that as we know who we really are, we know and we are encouraged to know that we belong to you. Lord, for those who are struggling with worries and concerns and self-esteem, knowing if and not understanding and are concerned if they are amount if they will amount to anything. If they are good enough in your sight, Lord, would you remind them that it is your son through them that makes them pleasing in your sight? Lord, for those who are unsure yet if they belong to Christ. Let this moment be a time for them to realize that this gift is free from you. And I pray, Lord God, that this message will not just help us understand who you are, but it will lead us into a humble worship to you. It will lead us to confidence in your presence. It will also lead us, Lord God, to praise and worship you 
for the rest of our lives, wherever we are, not just here in the church. We thank you that we can be your work of art through Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.